Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. So happy you are here. My goal with this channel is to bring inspirational speakers to the mic in the field of yoga, massage, body work, and beyond. Follow us at Native Yoga and check us out at nativeyogacenter.com. All right, let's begin. Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. Thank you for listening. Today, I have the pleasure and the privilege of bringing Adam Keen onto the podcast. I really recommend that you go to his website, keenonyoga.com. He has a podcast himself called Keen on Yoga, YouTube channel, Instagram. So you can find him on multiple channels. And I gain a lot of inspiration from Adam's work. I read every single post that he writes on Instagram. He's really prolific, gives you plenty of content. And he writes really deep, thoughtful, engaging uh, ideas. And so I've, I've really learned a lot from you know the media that he puts out and I reached out to him he was gracious enough to join me here on the podcast and for that I'm really thankful you know what's really incredible about the yoga community is that our ability to be open to share with each other to not be nervous about interacting and communicating with someone that we don't know from the man in the moon the woman in the moon. And so, you know, that's something that I find an incredible amount of inspiration from personally in my own yoga practice. I do want to mention that Adam's going to be holding a yoga conference where he'll have, you know, Eddie Stern and some other well-known uh, yoga and Ashtanga yoga teachers, practitioners on the channel um, speaking about really important issues like mental health and uh, eating and diet and uh, just all these things that we are facing in our own experience of our practice and how to navigate and what is a healthy and conducive way to continue to practice and share with others. So again, I'm so thankful you are here for your support and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. This is a true honor and pleasure. All right, let's go ahead and get started. I'm so happy to have Adam Keen here today. Adam, how are you? Fine. Lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. It's really always a pleasure to be the, the guest rather than the interviewee. And I've, yes. I've always said to people that, um, Try it's actually easier to be a guest than it is to be an interviewee. I, uh, to be the interviewer, I find so. Um, yeah, you can. Whenever keep... people say this or that about, oh, you know, my my interviewing style, I always say, well, I'll set you up with a podcast next time. You ever go? Because um, <laughs> yeah. it's really, because <laughs> it's really not easy, you know, um, to to get that to get that balance right. Um, and I've done over a hundred on the Keenan Yoga podcast. I, yeah, maybe one hundred and fifty interviews now, and um still i'm still working at it oh definitely uh well on that note um you have your own podcast keen on yoga and i'm i'm curious on that note then who are your inspirations like if you are to listen to another interviewer who do you who have you gained a lot of inspiration from from someone else's interviewing style yeah yeah yeah. um it's a good question really uh (laughs) Who do I? Who do I like? Um, God, you put me on the spot. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> I listen to all the yoga. I always listen to all the yoga ones. I mean, obviously, you know, we've got a shout out to Peg, uh, Peg Marquine's Ashtanga Dispatch. I mean, she's been out there for so many years, you know. So, and she was really the forerunner in this. So, she a lot was. of you know, a lot of inspiration from from Peg. Obviously, uh, yeah. a lot of respect to Peg for doing and you know starting what she did so early um, and getting it out there with all those teachers so early on. And so, I, I listened to that over the years from when she started. Um, you know, I listened to Harmony um, and Russell's. Uh, podcast um i find russell hilarious um you know russell's a, a very funny guy and a friend and i've had him on the podcast i find him very funny um yeah i you know bits and bobs really you know i, I look at stuff you know 
and of different interviewers on YouTube. I mean, you know, Russell Brand is not bad. Sometimes he irritates me. Um, but, you know, he has some he has some quirks that are, are reasonable. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that all right? That is all right. Good answer. I was yeah. just curious. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I'll yeah. I'll think, man, if I want to learn something here, let me let me listen to right. some of the greats. And so I was curious mm, if there's some people mm, that mm, that inspire mm, you. Mm. I hear you. That's yeah, all. yeah. What it, I mean, the thing is, with I mean, I, I don't want to de- derail this to, to talk about podcasts and the kind of ins and outs of being an interviewer, you know. But um, <laughs> it is a really hard thing, and you never know how hard it is until you actually do it, you know, because. <laughs> You want to try and get out of the way. And the difficulty is, if you've got something to say, like me, you end up getting too much in the way, you know. And, mm. and so people I admire are able to ask the questions and somehow get out of the way enough that because when you come and tune into someone, I know as well as anyone else, you don't want to hear the interviewer. You want to hear the guest. Yes. Nevertheless, I tend to still speak too much in the podcast. And I always berate myself for this. And <laughs> afterwards, I just wish I'd shut up more, you know. Um, <laughs> And so I suppose the people I respect are the people that manage to kind of corral an interview and can, can conduct it in such a manner that you don't, they, they've guided it, but they're like a, a great waiter, you know, like yes. they're, they're seamlessly at the table. They're never yes. dwelling at the table and you don't want them there, but they're always on hand when you need them. I mean, you know, an English one, people probably don't know. Maybe do you, do you know Jonathan Ross? I Jonathan don't. Ross, he's a famous, yeah, he's a famous English um, interviewer. Um He's uh, he's been around many years, and he's quite good in terms of giving people space. And uh, he's a on the BBC. He was, uh, you know, on the on the television. Nice, um, nice. Yeah. So yeah, that's cool. There you go. I, well, I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. And then, uh, I'm, when did you start practicing yoga? Ah, straight into that one. Um, when did I pr- start practicing yoga? In 1999, I think I started. I was at university, um, and I've told this story many times, but I'll you know, tell it for. The, the obvious backdrop of, of how I started is that I was depressed. I was studying philosophy, as most students of philosophy are. Uh, probably, I don't know what comes first, the chicken or the egg. <laughs> the student, you know, like whether the propensity is there or the philosophy does it, but one ends up, you know, um, often in, in the, um, you know, in, in how do you call it? Uh, they call it a counsellor or the the area where, you know, the, the, the therapy um area of the university so i was in therapy um and then the teacher said you know the therapist said well you know you and everyone else in philosophy is is here as well you know <laughs> so i found that kind of funny but i also found that kind of concerning that you know the people that come into philosophy obviously or by thoughts the people that had questions about life you know and yeah. were using the vehicle of lucid thinking you know rational thinking to work those out and it, it didn't work out um and that shocked me um because <laughs> You know, as an 18 year old, I was 18 when I went to uni, you know, I thought it would work out. I really thought that you could think your way out of your problems in life, you know, um, and what I realized is that you couldn't do that. Um, and so, so I started, you know, I thought I was going to do Tai Chi and that conflicted with a night at uni, which is a good drinking night that I, I liked. <laughs> so I didn't do the Tai Chi and I know there was a yoga class on a different night. There was, um, you know, it was a free night, you know, a non-drinking night. So I thought I'd go along to that, but there's something in maybe... I intuitively thought there's something in the body, right? If it can't be done through the mind, it must be something in the energy of the body that's throwing up these negative thought patterns that I'm suffering from, you know, um, that can maybe be changed like a, you know, rewiring a, you know, a, I don't know, electrical thing or, or you know, was, you know, reconditioning a car engine or something. There's something in the wrong with the engine, you know, you know, that's making these thoughts happen rather than the other way around, thinking, you know, like if you could think more clearly, you know, then then everything would be okay. So uh, so yeah, I stumbled into a yoga class, as most people do. It was a half a yoga class. Um it was slow but uh, it was challenging at the time i was not really in good shape as you know as you're not when you're you know that there's that period of time when you're kind of late teens and, and early you generally kind of suddenly fall out off the bandwagon you know when, you know when you're a bit younger i was into football i was into martial arts at a certain age you kind of you just let it go i think when women get involved really or not not that it's their fault but they come on the scene and and then that encourages bad behavior on your part and more drinking and you know carousing <laughs> yeah. than maybe you know maybe you should do so so that was my life at that time outside philosophy and um and i was not in good shape and i found it incredibly challenging you know even a half a yoga class i remember doing bow daniel asana and finding that was very very painful and the same with paschimottanasana forward fold also incredibly incredibly almost unendurably painful uh, yes um, so i wasn't flexible you know i wasn't flexible at all um it just kind of struck me that this after the first class was something that I had to do, you know, mm. just for my own, 
mental health, it felt like it was definitely the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, in terms of re- responsible thing to do, even for myself and for to to take care of myself, you know, because at that time I was also prescribed antidepressants. So I was on them, you know, and I'm not going to say anything about medication, you know, there's a you know, whole lot of debate out there about well, you know medication. So I felt though that I didn't want to be on, on it forever. I mm. felt that, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't something I wanted or maybe I felt I could maybe do without them, but I couldn't maybe just come off it just like that. So yeah, that was a really yeah. another really fundamental reason to get to the yoga class and try and do something for myself rather than just just you know go to the therapy and get the prescription and and you know then it felt rather disempowered. I felt like it was I was out of I felt like I was out of control. Mm. Um, and yoga yoga made me think basically on a basic fundamental level that I was doing something and back in control, taking control of the situation. You know, so yes. it wasn't my plan to a. Uh, to get into Ashtanga yoga or or become good at it in, in inverted commas, you know, the, in the asanas, that kind of happened just because I had to be dedicated for the mm. mental health reason. To be quite honest with you, yeah, um, I did it every day from fifteen minutes a day and expanded to thirty minutes a day, and then it I expanded it a bit longer, and then after a couple of years, the, the it was generally at that time, you know, this was the late nineties, so there was a you know there's it was kind of what was called the British wheel of yoga, which was the, generally the domain of like a certain middle-aged lady, you know, at this time, you know, not, not necessarily the case now, but at the time it was a, like an older lady um, who was the, main, the mainstay of these classes. And they basically kicked me out in the end and said, Look, no, this is not, you know, really, it's not really for you. You're, you're a young guy. I was 19, 20. I was a bit feisty, you know, like um, I was pushing, you know, and then I got to be quite into the asanas as well. And then I got, you know, like, reasonably accomplished at them and they just said you know like you should try something else a bit more challenging you know so they didn't kick me out like get into sports or something like they thought you should get into football or no no a different type of yoga okay i mean you know at this time they still knew like what you know what other types of yoga are out there you know there wasn't like vinyasa or anything like that you know it was only like you had your choices hatha yoga the sedentary one you know and you had the Yenga yoga, the pedantic one, you know, people that were half the yoga students, but liked a bit of pedant. <laughs> they like to be, they like to be specific and, you know, they took it more seriously, maybe, I don't know. And then you had the Ashtanga people who were seen really as the outcasts. So, um, so I think they recommended me yoga, uh, Yenga yoga, you know, it was a bit more in line with the Hatha yoga. And now Ashtanga was seen as, at that time even, it had that kind of rap as, oh, this is not really yoga. It's too much jumping around and too athletic to yes. really be yoga. So yes. I kind of got into that, you know, because someone kind of, well, actually my girlfriend at the time, because she was doing it a bit, you know, and I was doing Yenga yoga. And, um, and, I really believed in the yoga yoga, but I started to get annoyed about getting all the props and setting them up and it took so long. And, and, and where was the breath? Where where was the breathing in that? You know, yeah, people will say, yeah. oh, you know, like at a certain point they teach you the breathing and you have to be more advanced student. But anyway, I got, you know, a little bit. I was looking also outside that box as well. And she went to the Ashtanga class and then she goes, come along one night. And I was, no, I love it. I don't want to do the jumping. I'm doing yenga, like it's slow. You know, you stay in the postures for a long time and, you know, I don't believe that's yoga. Then I went to it and I just, it's a funny story because I didn't do any of the vinyasas. I went, I, I refused to, to jump back or jump through. I would just hold the posture. So right the off the, stuff. right off the bat, you're pretty rebellious. Like right, uh, right yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't like it in myself, you know, but I've always been kind of a bit stubborn minded. So yeah. So I yeah. just, I, I know what I'm doing. It's a bit too much like that. I know what I'm doing. I don't like mm. this jumping. Mm. There's not really yoga, but you know, do you know what? I mean, I'm also, I can also think again that I think that's my, my saving grace. And after a, a week or so, she was going again. She stopped because her backside to her, but she, she was going again. And whilst she was going, I said, Oh, I'll have another go at it because, mm. you know, it kind of piqued my, in- something piqued my interest in it. I think because at the time the guys looked there, they looked like they were really quite athletic. And I thought, well, yeah. if you want to learn something yeah. physical, you yeah. want to learn it from the people that look really well toned and physical, yeah. like they know what they're doing with their body. And the younger people, not so much, you know. Mm. Um, mm. And these guys are quite impressive. There's a 19, 20 year old guy to yes. see another guy yeah. toned and do a handstand yes. and stuff like that and lift themselves up into a handstand. I was quite 
first of all i was dismissive like oh you know it's not really yoga and then it piqued my interest and i like so i went back and after a few weeks i was quite hooked to be honest yeah 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 i already had a self-practice every day so it just was changed i just changed one thing for the other you know it was kathy yoga and then you know it just got i just changed it to ashtanga then you know that's uh, that's cool adam one thing that that made me think of is recently i had somebody come in for a class and I said, uh, she, it was a slower, gentler class. And she's like, Ooh, that was a little bit, um, you know, I wish I was a little bit faster. And I said, Oh, well, you know, we offer Ashtanga classes, leg classes. She goes, Oh no, no, that's still, that's still holding the poses for too long. And it always kind of, yeah, yeah. And it cracks me up that sometimes I'll hear people say like Ashtanga is too slow. And I'm like, well, what, wow. what, what right? How, what, far, how fast can you be? I, I think I mean, there's a little bit of a trend in the vinyasa world, uh, at least around here. I don't know if it's elsewhere, but where you don't hold anything for longer than an inhale or an exhale. And I don't think there's yeah, actually, yeah, I don't yeah, think there's any emphasis yeah. on actually coordinating the inhale or the exhale with the movement. I think it's just no, boom, no. boom. Boom! Yeah, this yeah. one, that one, yeah. and uh, yeah, and yeah. it cracked. You're right. It's a I mean, that pres- <laughs> yeah, that precedent has been set by Vinyasa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always thought it was kind of interesting to, because to me, Ashtanga was always like a really dynamic, challenging, like intense, Great. where yeah, you had totally. the, like yeah, you said, yeah, the yeah, Iyengar yeah, style yeah, that yeah. were kind of saying, well, that's yeah, you know yeah. not really yoga because it's too fast. So to have someone come and say like, oh, Ashtanga is too slow. I just wonder yeah. how, how fast could it get? You know, like well, it shows you how times <laughs> move, doesn't it? You know, like that was the fastest run, and then yeah, it's moved on. I mean, yeah, like then we extrapolate to the future. I mean, you know, what's going to happen? Being <laughs> up, I mean, it's like you have to take some kind of uh, you know amphetamine before you go in, you know, <laughs> to to make you know to, to up the ante in in, uh, in vinyasa. No, I did a vinyasa class once because I was. I kind of, I, I, just for a bit of fun, to be quite honest, there was a studio and they were auditioning and I'd never done a yoga audition ever. And it was to, a kind of interesting audition studio. To, audition to teach? Audition. To teach. Okay. Yeah, to yeah. teach. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and um, they had this audition, but the thing was you had to do everyone's classes. Like, so, so there was like 20 teachers in the room and you know, I didn't need the, to do this class for them. And I'd never really done classes for other studios. I'd just done the Mysore practice and my own lead classes. But at a certain point, you know, like, you know, you've done, done it for a long time. My curiosity's peaked about other things, you know, like just generally other modes of teaching and teaching in other studios. I don't know, like some people close down. And for me, it was the opposite. At a certain point, I kind of spread out again, you know, after kind of tunneling in on Mysore and how to do a Mysore. I went the other way. Uh, for reasons that we can discuss. Anyway, and I found myself in this audition and you had to do everyone's class. So there was vinyasa teachers there. There was teachers doing other things there. And you, everyone got a five minute slot. And so I did a vinyasa class once. So a few of them, in fact, when the teacher taught, there's like five or six teachers teaching their five minute vinyasa class. It was insane. It was, it was utterly insane. And <laughs> I mean, I know people love the style, but I found it was like a a potential car crash you're going through mm. there's no like but mm-hmm. i was flailing around with wild things and turning over and this <laughs> and that and before you can try and look at the teacher there's a new posture that's there and you're trying to get the last one and there's a new one going on it's madness i mean i, I was actually we say in english pissing myself with laughter you know like, because it was hilarious but yeah i mean it's you know in terms of um any any kind of Patanjalian idea of yoga you know, for s- the sake of stability or concentration? Mm. No, it probably probably isn't that. You know, um, I imagine if you get quite good at the thing, perhaps it, it flows in a in more embodied state of of being in your body, very dynamically in your body. But um, doesn't have much to do with the uh, the original kind of auspices of yoga, really, I, uh, I, as far as I can see. I yeah. hear you. I hear you. Can you tell me, Adam, what your experience with practicing in Mysore is? Yeah, no, I loved it. And, and uh, you know, I'm not, not a bad word to say about it, really. And, and teachers used to say to me, the old teachers, oh, well, you should, shouldn't go because it's not the same as when we went, you know, it's not, you know, we went and there's 12 people in the room and now you're going to go to Gokulam and it's like 40, 50 and, you know, Tabi Joyce is old and he won't help you. And, you know, and I went anyway, even though these teachers are respected, you know, um, Teresa, my wife and I run Purple Valley Yoga for for a number of years in India. So we, we had all these old teachers passing through, you know, so I, I kind of picked their brains, you know, so it's kind of all quite well up on different teachers' perspectives on my sort. And you know, a lot of them would say, oh, it's not the same, you know, like, you know, why why go now, you know? And um, and I did. And I always recommend people to go now, even when it's changed again and it's this huge hanger. I still say go. You have. Oh, Adam, one second. Adam, one second. I, I... 
happens there which you never really get the, quite the feel even if you're doing batab you know when we used to do Patabi Joyce on tour or you know Sharat used to come and do these tours to London it wasn't the same you know and as soon as you get to India something different happens there and mm. I'm not really you know I try not to, to veer away from hocus pocus or or things I can't explain but there is something a bit different about that about it there and yeah and so I'm, yeah. you know I'm pleased I went um but you know I think as a time and place, I wouldn't, you know, the same, I, I, I feel I don't need to go forever. And if asked whether I'd go back now, I'd say I won't rule it out, but I've no plans to go back currently. Yeah. Yeah. I hear it. And you're in Bali now. Can you tell me what your experience is living in Indonesia? Do you love it? Oh, it's all right. Um, it's, uh, it's, it makes a change. I, I like being warm. I like, I never, I don't like being cold. Um, mm. So I like it on that. On that front, um, that you're always warm. Um, even <laughs> yeah. though we were living, the, we, we, you know, it's a silly thing to, to, to enjoy about a country, but uh, you know, and the culture's nice. Um, you know, it's very soft. Balinese culture is very, very kind of gentle and, uh, and uh, very, very sweet. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, do I love it? I, you know, it's, it doesn't touch you in the same way that India always touched touch me to be honest you know going back to that point and when you arrive in india there's a certain context around your practice and the context around the yoga um and something in it you know which which so many people find just grabs them straight away and although i enjoy it here um, i'm very privileged to, to be able to be here and, and work from here it's uh, you know it doesn't grab me it doesn't touch me in the same way mm. that, that india always did you know um yeah nice nice how long did you spend in goa we were there for a couple of, my, my wife ran it for three years and I joined for a couple of years. I was, that's where I met her. I was a cook. I was a cook in London and I supported my yoga through cooking. Nice. So, nice. As I was a budding teacher. And then at that time, you, did, you know, remember like early 2000s, it wasn't like the, the career of a yoga teacher was kind of clear cut. It was like, well, you might make some money out of it, but it yeah. wasn't really like you could support yourself. So most of us had other jobs, you know, and I yes. taught myself how to cook basically. I could, I was never going to be a philosopher. You know, I was got disillusioned with academia. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I quit it, you know, after three years of my degree and I yeah. trained myself basically from pot wash, from, you know, washing dishes to, to running kitchens, you know, um, yes. just, just out of an interest in, in food, really. You know, nice. I'd, I'd not really had much of a background in food when I was growing up. So as soon as I kind of got a bit older and, and could, go out and cook for myself and experience different things. I was quite intrigued about all different foods and how to cook them. You know, like I mm. left home really not being able to know, I didn't really know how to boil an egg or anything. Like <laughs> yeah. I yeah. So, so, you know, like the, the possibility of like learning how to feed yourself was first of all, fundamental. Um, and I started cooking for friends at university and stuff. And then, so it was interested. I was interested, you know, and I developed it and developed it. And so when I left, that was the thing I thought, yeah, that's what I fancy doing, going to the kitchens and working. It seemed honest. It seemed practical in a way yeah. that philosophy wasn't. Yeah. It seemed like a nice thing to do to cook for other people. Yes. Um, and it, and it was flexible, you know, you had different hours and, and, you know, and it was dynamic and you had a kind of gang in the kitchen. I liked that, uh, you know, the kind of vibe and the excitement. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, it lends itself in a way with Ashtanga yoga, you know, they're kind of exciting and, you know, and uh, yes, dynamic, um, uh, physical, very physical. Yes. Um, you know, when you, when you're in the early twenties, you know, I could practice for a couple of hours then go in the kitchen and cook for 10 hours and, you know, but at a certain point I started to see that, that, I would maybe transition out of that because you didn't have the energy uh, going on in the long term. I didn't have the energy for both. So anyways, long story short, I did that in London and then I decided I'd try and transition to do other things. I wanted to go to Mysore. I was a bit scared of India. So I thought if I go mm. to Goa first and do mm. cooking on this yoga retreat, you know, yeah, like I'd yeah. be there as the, in, in the position of the cook for a while, yeah. it'll be like a soft landing in India. I'd find my feet yeah. a bit, I'd, yeah. you know, like that, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I did, but I never really got past that because I met my wife and, uh, and then we started running it together for a couple of years. Nice. Now we did go to Mysore and we, we hope Shirat came to Goa and we hosted him there as well. And, you know, it was a, it was a really special time and experience. Oh, sure. I bet. That's amazing. I have been to Goa before. It's pretty amazing there. Did you, so your first intro to India was Goa and then you start exploring yeah. out to other parts. Yeah. Gotcha. Can you give me a little bit of your take, your take on 
Um, like I sometimes I'll hear people say that Goa is the liberated state of India, that, you know, thing, more things can fly in Goa than other parts in terms of, you know, you'll walk down to the beach and people will be in bikinis and, you right, know, right, you know right. doing the Western thing and you'll have maybe some Indians hanging out gawking, you know, like, yeah. whoa, all, like what's going on here? And yeah, can, yeah, can you yeah. give me your... They always your, said it's <laughs> a bit more like that. It's like, well, I think there's a little bit of a kind of vibe about Goa with the Indian community. Oh, Adam, I, I lost thing, you. you know? Oh, there you are. Yep, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think I was going to say, I think with the Indian communities, I think that go there, I think there is a bit of a vibe of what goes on in Goa stays in Goa. You know, there, there's a little bit of like, like whilst in Goa, you know, you can- you Las know, Vegas. You kind of, yeah, yeah, exactly. You can kind of chill out a bit, you know, and it's not back home where the, the community might be a bit more stringent and, you know, and obviously there's all these Westerners that are, you know, are kind of posthumously, I don't know what the scene is less Western now, but obviously in the 60s, 70s, there was a huge hippie vibe down in Goa. So, you know, there's still that that kind of vibe, which is there. Yeah, um, yeah maybe the place lends itself to it, the kind of geography, the, the, you know, the kind of vibe there. Um, yes, yeah, so it's a lovely state, uh, very different to Mysore, obviously, a lot more fun because you've got a beach and, you know, yeah. you can kind of go around in the kind of palm groves and the motorbike and, you know, in Mysore, you're kind of stuck in a town, really. Um, yeah, not not so fun, you know, kind of biding your time until the next next morning where you go practice again. So, yes, um, and, you know, in terms of you know, enjoyment, obviously, go is way more fun. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, but in terms of yoga, I mean, obviously, Mysore. Yeah, it was a place that I, you know I got fond of because we went there for for, for many years. That was uh, in the end what so many of us, you know, and people still do. Obviously, you know, you plan your year around Mysore. You know, you go, yeah, yep. you do your teaching, and then you take your three months, and you go to Mysore, and you get your kind of te- you know, you get taught, and you get your top up, and then you go back and teach. And you know, we did that for for a number of years. You know, um, nice, nice until yeah. I, I something kind of gets in the way and then something changes. <laughs> yeah. Life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I saw yesterday your, yeah. your posts on Instagram are amazing. You do an incredible Thanks. job, Adam. I, I look forward to them. I don't know how oh, you've gotten so good at them. Kind. You're a great writer. So clearly you're taking a lot of time to compose yeah. these posts. Uh, so first off, I don't see, how you have enough time to do what you're doing in terms of how long it would take me to try to do what Mm. you're doing. So good job there. I think the subjects that you're touching upon are incredibly important and you always get me to think. So your philosophy, your love for, for philosophy definitely comes through. So I feel like I learned something every time. I, I really enjoy the fact that you really cut in on the issues that are not spoken about a lot or maybe are uncomfortable to speak about or challenging to talk about. Um, just yesterday I saw that you wrote, sometimes we mistake the finger for the moon in Ashtanga. Mm. And mm. I'm curious if you can elaborate on what you're thinking around that or what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, let's first say that I think more than anything, I mean, I still have the same wish for the Socratic wish, let's say, for truth, right? Like, you know, Socrates was a, was a questioner. He was an inquirer. He was encouraging, you know, he wasn't saying he got anything, but he was just encouraging other people to think out of the box. You know, the young people of, of uh, you know, Athens going around asking difficult questions and just encouraging them to follow the, their thinking through and see if it worked for them or not, you know, and see if it made sense and, you know, when followed through or not, you know. So if you follow through the asana, you know, it's like, well, where are these details going to get you? These specific details going to get, you know, or if we follow through the way that we stretch or we, you know, if you follow through the way of pulling out of yourself, for example, if you follow that to the nth degree, you'll rip your shoulder out of your joint. So, <laughs> so is that what, you know, so is that extrapolating out of that, is that the idea then that progress means more and more stretching out of yourself until what, until you end up with a ligament issue or a tendonitis because you've overstretched your joint. Right. So, you know, it's just, I guess I have the same frustration as, you know, like as, you know, a kind of someone who loves philosophy would in just wanting us all to think together and, and just be honest with ourselves, you know, and for the sake of everyone else, you know, really, because, because dishonesty, as we can see, like not, it's not necessarily meant or it's not necessarily on purpose, but it, it creates so many um, difficult circumstances for people. Right. So we find, you know, the teachers coming back from Mysore and, and uh, they, they've had this great experience, but maybe they've not followed it through enough and, and can kind of contextualize 
what it means for the everyday person right and there's all these details in Mysore, which mean that you you're on program. You know you belong to the club. You know you point your toe here. You know up a Vishta Kanasana. Dare dare you jump back without looking up, inhaling and exhaling. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, right? Like there's certain points. You know, like you know them that you have to do those ways, and that shows that you know the score in terms of the Mysore tradition. Now, you know, you know, that's not the ultimate method of yoga. You know. The, the ultimate method of yoga isn't stylistically about whether you do one thing or other. It's, it goes deeper than that. And, and those details end up just, they end up being taken just as one more way to just belong, you know? And I think we obviously have a fear of not belonging and we have a fear of going on our own and, and exploring on our own without the backing up of, of an institution or, you know, right. Mm-hmm. But that, that's the yeah. ultimate thing is the courage to stand alone and look alone rather than just one more attempt at conscribing to the status quo. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you know, when I've done it, you know, I was super, and I can say all this because I did it, you know, I went there and I, without meaning to, to be quite honest with you, I was always a bit rogue as you identified from, the, you know, I was always going to those teachers who are a little bit more, put a hand standing here, do that there, you know, but it's actually my wife who's more on program. She'd got this relationship with Sharat through hosting him at Purple Valley. I met him in a more intimate uh, scenario when he was teaching a small group at Purple Valley. We struck up a, 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 you know, a personal relationship at that time because he was there for weeks, you know, without all the students around him. Um, and so I got into this kind of Mysore etiquette, you know, and then you go to Mysore and all your peers are there and, you know, like, you know, then everyone's kind of like, well, you know, you're doing pretty good there, you know, so ego comes in, you know, and uh, yeah, so, you know, I, you know, I went down that rabbit hole with the details and with the small details and taking those details for Ashtanga Yoga. But if we look really at what it is, it's it's the same as the the tantric hatha yoga originally you find in Dattatreya's yoga shastra or others you've got you know mahamudra mahaveda mahabanda you know you've got breath posture and uh looking place you know it's, it's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, sorry mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah banda sorry banda posture and drishti so it's, it's the same you know um and those are the that's the fundamental engine of, of what you're doing in the asana and sometimes the small details they can help you come from the outside in I think all too often those small details are taken for the method itself, but that, you know, and then just as a way of yes. just belonging to that Ashtanga club, you know, what it's encouraging is a, a subjective experience of oneself in an embodied sense, in, in, in a more whole sense, in a more pleasurable sense than what we had, you know, in the bottom line, you know? Yes. Um, and that, yeah. Do, do you still feel like you're in the club? Um, well, I suppose you, probably if you ask Shiratji, he'd probably say no. But I haven't been kicked out yet, so um, <laughs> I'm out. You know, it's like I, you know, I don't see. To be honest, I don't. You know, as much as I write about it, I write about because I have I don't see much of a discrepancy. To be honest, between no, and like I, I finally found a metaphor the other day. You say I spend time in the post, and I do, but I would do anyway because I was always a a frustrated philosopher ever since I kind of quit <laughs> philosophy for cooking. You know, I I was always still thinking and questioning you know and that was me from a kid you know my mum used to say oh should we have some quiet time now you know because I'd always ask a question she always say I used to ask why everything mm-hmm. was why you know mm-hmm. and yeah. that's still what I'm doing now yeah I'm just asking why and I don't have the conclusions but I just want us all as much as possible to ask the questions for ourselves because I think in that manner is how we get to be more open more sharing and more and more caring people right mm. So kind of opening up the questions and tolerating, as I found out recently, trying to tolerate and and be respectful to each other and, you know, just, yeah, just just allow other people's opinions without kind of jumping, jumping on closing down discourse, because I think that's a dangerous thing as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so coming back to the original point, sorry. Yeah, I see myself as not having a really any problem with the, 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 the mice or traditional aspect of it. And what I'm saying now, I mean, it's a language. The metaphor I was, I was meaning to mention is that you've got a language, you know the language, right? And then at a certain point, you know when to break the language. But first of all, for most people, yeah, I mean, getting them up to speed with the grammar is more sensible than just getting them into recite to you random, random phrases. And then they don't know what's behind the phrase, right? You know, like they might know how to order a coffee, you know, but they don't know the verb 
I want and how to say you want, he wants, we want, you know, right, blah, blah, blah. Right. So the structure is good. You know, know the structure, learn the language, learn the conventions and then know how to use it or not and how you want to use it and when you want to use it or not. If I'm going to Mysore, I'm not going to start busting out other things, things that aren't Mysore style. Right. I, my main teacher was Mark Darby in the end, structurally speaking, you know, in terms of uh-huh. practical as instruction, Darby is for me, a sine qua non of, of instruction. He's wonderful and uh, forever grateful for, for his instruction. He recommends holding the foot you hold the foot and you pull across right i really think that's very very useful as an instruction would i do it in my story the room with at? no i wouldn't do that because yeah. you know i'm in his yeah. class i'm doing yeah. it in the way that yeah. with the wrist and the way that everyone's doing it there yeah. do you know what i mean but yeah. when i'm outside the class then i'll use your language in a different way just like in the old-fashioned sense you know not now because everything's so casual these days but you used to go into a bank you know, and you'd go into the bank and you'd, you'd have a certain language. You'd speak, speak you know, respect, respectfully to the bank manager or the cashier. Do you know what I mean? Because you're yes. in, a, or in a sense where you've got to be respectful, right? You know, yeah. and then yeah. when you're out in the street, you change your language and, you know, like accordingly. Yes. The same, I think, without, <clears throat> I think it, without, right. without there being any contradiction. Yeah. Do you, when you're working with a new student, I'm gathering you're working with the structure of primary series are you trying to convey the institution with this questioning aspect at the same time? Are you trying to build a balance of? That's a cool, that's a great question. Yes. I'm always trying to empower the student. Right. And that's what I felt was so lacking in in some of the teachers who as much as I love them and uh, many of the old teachers that I worked with, I felt that there wasn't enough, empowerment of the student necessarily you know and it was big for me i always felt like what we ultimately want is the 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 student to come into their own power and decide for themselves right i mean the courage to stand alone the the idea of cavalier i like a lot you know because that is it in life you know we always want to shelter behind other people's instructions and you know you tell me what to do and you know for a certain while you know that's not a bad idea you know and there's got to be some hierarchy of knowledge somewhere you know to learn anything but but at a certain point that also becomes redundant and one wants to encourage the student to go off and take some autonomy and face the fear and doubt and uncertainty of doing that you know for themselves because a lot of that comes in you know and questioning then comes in because it's easy to go to Mysore right you go you go to Mysore you learn the sequence in the way that is taught there and you go back and you practice it job done you know easy no questions no questions that's not really yoga I mean yoga is grappling with these difficult questions that you know about life you know like and I think the asana practice should somehow if it's going to be used you know in, in a deeper way than just a sloppy weird gymnastics it has to somewhat mirror or 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 prompt or prod this kind of questioning for us you know yes um so yeah i mean it's a great question um yes i i I can't not be me you know um and i think that was a a real change that was happening before the pandemic and it came around more during this this time which i think was quite pivotal for a lot of people just one way or the other you know (laughs) I came more into just thinking, fuck it, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just going to be myself. (laughs) At a certain point, you know, like you can't be, you know, like it's too tiring to be a mini clone of Sharat, you know, walking around in a skirt towel and, you know, like counting in the Indian accent, you know, like, which I, you know, again, I kind of did that, you know, because I was afraid, you know, because, yeah, yeah. Because I wasn't confident in my own teachings, you know, and I didn't want anyone to point me out. Or, you know, everyone has imposter syndrome, whatever job you do, you know, yeah, you always feel, feel you're lacking, you know. And at a certain point, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to be me and I'm going to relate honestly to the person in front of me as me. And in, in, in terms of just wanting to show them how they could use it for themselves in their life and encourage and support their process. And that's the end of the story, you know. And for some people, it's relevant to teach them in the classic way, especially if they're saying, oh, I'm going to go to Mysore and I'm going to want to do this. And, I'm, you know, I'm teaching already and I'm maybe wanting to teach Ashtanga Yoga, but maybe they're not, you know. Right. And I'm going to go to Mysore, blah, blah, blah. So you go, okay, right. Like, we'll teach you the nuts and bolts of how to do the silver service, right? Like, but for other people, it's irrelevant, the silver service, right? They're coming, you know, they maybe they want to do 40 minutes a day and, and you know, and a bit of this, a bit of that, you know, and, and teaching them that will just put them off or, or, or be relevant, be inappropriate for their daily life and what they need, you know? Yes. Yes. Great answer. You know, and one thing that you inspire me with is that you are extremely, it seems to me, very honest about personal issues. Absolutely. 
And that's not easy. Well, to speak from my own experience, like I feel like I grapple with that in terms of how much to talk about and where to hold some Mm. sort of privacy. Mm. How do Mm. you, how do you navigate that? Like, do you have any exercises that you do before you write, say a post, like, do you, I bloody should do. I do, should do. Do you, do, 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 do you, you <laughs> no, know what I do? I, mean, I never write it and just put it out there. You know I mean? Like I did that at the start, you know, yeah. and what I really found is that now I'll write something, right? This is what I do. Like I write, like I've got like 10 different things I'm writing, you know, like, and <clears throat> I'll go back and I'll go back and I'll go back on each one, you know, uh, over a period of days, you know, like, and they're all coming to fruition, you know, like, cause they're only like a few paragraphs or whatever each time, you know, but I do go back and keep going over those paragraphs and taking things mm. out that I think are just, you know, yeah, not, not relevant or, yeah. or, you know, might be incendentary if I can catch them, <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to put anyone's back up, you know, and I want everyone, you know, like, you know, you want, you know, you want people kind of uh you know like on your side listening rather than you know being being triggered and going away that's the last thing i want you know like as well as i was so unhappy with the recent post i wrote that we've got people's backs up you know because it really wasn't my intent you know? and i still think it's a re- relevant question i just which one just was that which one, myself, which one was that? oh i can't want to go oh it's about this harvey joyce and sexuality stuff you know mm. um so you know, it's always going to be a hot button, I, I, you know, and maybe I got overconfident to think that I could navigate it, you know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I got called out, you know, and I wasn't as skillful in my writing as I could have been, you know, and people pointed that out, you know, and I take it on the chin and say that, you know, things could have been said in a more skillful manner, you know. But the topic is still of interest to me, you know. Um, and uh, and where does the line, sorry, I'm kind of, kind of rambling, where does the line it's, get drawn? I mean, I go yeah. around and I look yeah. at the posts again and again, yeah. um, but yeah. I'm not taking out any personal content. I think the only thing I would, I'd be frightened of people doing is pointing out me is inauthentic. That would, not as I've revealed too much or it's too personal. There's no line there, to be honest. Mm. I'll say, I mean, perhaps there should be, mm. <laughs> but I honestly want to, I've come to the point with my yoga practice where it's kind of just how far can I just be utterly immediate to life, utterly transparent to life and another, and another person. And the more unhappy I got, what I realized is the more I was hiding behind teacher, my teacherliness, my practice, my role and position, and coming back and back and back. And then at a certain point, it all crumbled and I wanted to take those layers down and just come. So I was right by the person and right by life itself. Mm. And good answer as far as I can. Yeah. And that's as far as I can kind of get to in terms of a search for truth, really is like, how close can I be just to utterly real and utterly nothing to hide, you know? Um, And more close I get to that, the more I kind of feel that maybe that is a, yeah, that there is something in to, to, there was something in that. Yeah. That's great advice. I love that. Thank you. And when you mentioned earlier about the process of, if you think it all the way through and if you're practicing asana and you made mention that, you know, you're, if I take my body, my shoulders so far that if I'm going to go all the way through, mm. eventually it's going to separate snap. or yeah, snap. Something's, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, yeah. and in terms of say the philosophical practice, and you kind of made mention already too that, you know, if I overthink something and and I keep overthinking it, that maybe that is the equivalent of not necessarily the body snapping, but the mind snapping. Have you have you had any close calls with mind snapping? <laughs> yeah. I think so more so to be honest, before the yoga. Um, before I started a more embodied practice that, you know, studying, and I'm an intense character, maybe you, maybe you can recognize that. So when I got into to, to philosophy, by the time I got to university, I'd read all the, everything, all the basic uh, philosophy texts that were out there, you know, some modern philosophy stuff, you know, that there's, you know, I hadn't read, you know, and there's so much modern stuff out there, but all the, the, the essential works of philosophy, you know, it's going to, you know, from the, the ancient Greeks to, you know, existentialists to, you know, British empiricists, I've done all the, all that, you know, and yes, I think my mind was close to snapping at that point. Mm. Um, and that's how really I felt frightened at that point. And that's why 
um, I got into yoga because of this anxiety welling up that I just felt like um, something could snap in the mind. You know, mm. I really did. And I, you know, and, and in the end, I, yeah. the funny thing is that then at the end it came a full circle. You know, kind of interestingly, I think because at a certain point, I think the intensity of yoga reached a crescendo as well. And I, I think that can also be encouraged by a certain methodology of practice where, mm. you know, you reach the advanced series and you're doing, even without reaching advanced, even second series, there's a lot of leg behind the head. It does something weird to the energy of the spine. You know, when you put the leg behind the head, it's, in t- you know, I'm not going to say it's going to raise Kundalini. It might or might not, you know, but there's something intense in the nervous system when you put the, he- the leg behind the head, you know, and, and when you're doing that day in, day out, especially in Mysore and being, you know, and having, you know, that energy there, you know, and, and I got up to a level where I was at the advanced B series in Mysore, you know. So, it, you know, I don't know. I think I said in another post, I believe Patabi Joyce said it, you know, this yoga can be crazy making, you know, and it can be, I think, without contextualization, you know, without a context within which to frame asana and just going on asana, asana, asana and pushing and pushing. Yes, not just me, but many people. It sent you a bit. It sends you a bit crazy, you know, because mm-hmm. yeah. the energy of the body, you know, is just too much, you know. Yeah. And I, so, in the long term, I kind of think that I'm reticent to to advise that that degree of of, of asana for any period of time for people because, yeah. I, you know, yeah. if you look at the the traditional take on it, you know, they never the Indians never really originally did it to that intensity ever. You know, maybe a couple of days and then, you know, it's like, oh, you know, holiday. Oh, you know, day off. Oh, you know, 30 years old, too old now. You know, like, you know, <laughs> it's only the Westerners that got hold of it in our stupid way. Just kind of made it something, you know, this spirit of competition, intensity and upping the ante and taking it literally, whereas it was never taken so literally. It, you know, and we never had anything else around it. Right. Like if you look at the oh, everyone, even now you go to India in the morning, the puja. You know, all the day festival. You know, you know holiday. It's in their life. You know, there's yeah, so much there, yeah, and the yeah, asana then yeah. is just a, a small part of the whole. Yeah, and we don't have anything else. So you know, yeah. with people like me who are in need of something, in need of meaning in life, and and wanting to use it like that. Like, so I got my teeth into it. Like I got my teeth into philosophy, and yeah, by the time I was 37, 38, pushing so much into those advanced series, all this time, leg behind the head, all you know. Yeah, I felt like my my mental health was jeopardized once again, mm. just as much as it had been when I was yeah. just in my head. Yeah, just in my body now, you know, because then the <sighs> then it was like, oh, you know, don't read, you know, like nothing need, needs to be done. There's this yeah. mentality in my yeah. soul. Nothing else needs to be done. Don't think about it. Just do the asana, you know. Like that's enough, you know. Like yeah. don't yeah. inquire about anything else in life. Right, just go home and you know. And it's it's too on track and it's too out of balance, you know. And it's too physically demanding, I think, for the long-term period. It's like, I don't think it was ever expected by Batabi Joyce originally that people would actually go home and do that shit every day, you know? <laughs> like, you know, I mean, like, you go and do it in Mysore for a little bit with him, and I don't think yeah. he expected people to go home and practice yeah. to that level, like, you know, yeah. for the rest of them, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and the older teachers didn't do that either, you know? Mm. I know that they, you know, like, you know, there's this conversation that was recounted to me, like, you know, by a, by a teacher sitting around the table and they'd done them. There's a bunch of old teachers. And, and you know, and one of them said, you know, like I hadn't been there for a while. It was practicing in a Guruji tour at the time. Guruji, Patabi Joss was teaching in, a, in the US. And they said, do you do that every day? You know, and, they, you know, most of them like, no, you know, mm-hmm. well, yes, when mm-hmm. he's here, mm-hmm. you know, yes, you know, yeah. when in Mysore, yes. But, you know, like for most people, a, a more balanced perspective yeah. when leaving Mysore, yeah. I think is appropriate. And to, to that end, you know, circling back to my recent post, a more balanced structure of teaching the normal everyday person, right, who isn't a Mysore student, you know, because otherwise Ashtanga gets a bad rap, you know, it's mm-hmm. when yeah, we're going yeah. back to the ultimate thing with this is method and it's, it's great yeah. because it yeah. has this linking yeah. of yeah. mind to breath and it's so easy to follow and it's so easy to do because you don't have to think about it. And it does produce a real rapid, a rapid experience of something different, yeah. you know, yeah. but I think it can be taught too litigiously, too literally that it's off-putting and it's yeah, such a travesty yeah. and such a shame when so many people who could have enjoyed it to, yes. in, a, in such a manner have been yeah. taught in such a rigid manner, in a literal manner, where 
they've just been off put, like being told crazy shit, you know, being told, oh, you're too fat to do Mary Charles and a D, or you can't, you know, if you can't bind in Ardabada Padma, you've got to stop and lie down, you know, like craziness, like stuff like that, or can't yeah, even yeah. can't stand up for yeah. a backbend, yeah. no second series, when yeah. those graduated backbends of this first part of second series, so obviously helpful for your harder at Urdhva Danyarasana. Yeah. And if people made the effort, again, it's about inquiry, you know, if they made the effort, they would realize that though the Urdhva Danyarasana originally came at the end of the second series, intermediate series, mm. you know, it never mm. was there at the end of primary, mm. you know, yeah, yeah. this is a more recent. In, interpl- yeah. So what is traditional in the first place? You know, yeah. I, again, I don't come with answers, you know, and, but I just want everyone to, to ask oneself questions. And I think the more you ask yourself questions, the great place to be, is to be uncertain because that makes you humble when you're uncertain, right? You're humble. And, and the best thing that happened to me was this 37, 38 years old period when I got to that stage and the number of personal circumstances came to fruition where suddenly this certainty about, you know, almost kind of cult, cult like certainty about Shanga being the great white savior and Shirat being kind of godlike really. And I had it, you know, there's like the best of them that kind of came crumbling down, you know, and I had all this mm. doubt and uncertainty mm. and I, I yeah. became a human again, you know, and yeah. I became, became relatable. I became interested in relating to someone, you know, and well, I became more humble again. You know? So how old are you now, Adam? That, how old are you now? How old am I? I lose track, you know, as you get over 40, it's like, you don't want to count anymore. I think I'm 43. Right. Right? When I posted yeah. recently, my mum yeah. told me I was, four, I was a year younger than I thought I was. So I was quite <laughs> happy to hear that, you know, um, but no, I think I actually am 43 now. So, so then 37 yeah, so, to 43, six years yeah, ago. Like six tw- years. The last, what, yeah. what, what was the, what do you six think years, was, what but, do you think the catalyst well, was trouble. for yeah, the, the, the crumbling, the, the, the yeah, breaking yeah, down yeah. of the wall? What, what was the, yeah. Cause it was really, um, a special time. And it was like, I think for anyone listening, um, I think it's a good point to say that what you think is the worst thing in the world if you stick with it, it can often be the best thing that ever happened to you. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. So I thought the worst thing in the world, I'd been pushing, a, you know, more and more niggle with shoulder. In the end, shoulder completely went, um, couldn't do anything, you know. And I practiced before through injury and modified, blah, blah, blah. And this time, couldn't do anything. Shoulder so messed up, just from almost one day to the next could not practice at all. Something seriously wrong with it, you know. Never got an MRI, never, not really interested in it, that, you know, not really interested in surgery. Just, you know, like, okay, can't practice, right? Just can't do anything, you know. And then even coming back to it, can't do the same as I could. It's catastrophic for someone who's based their life and, you know, their ability of, sad as it was, their ability in, you know, in asana, you know. Um, so there was that. Uh, we'd also started a, a, a business, uh, a flailing business, um, a health food shop, me and my wife. That was a uh, you know uh, not it didn't go well and we had to we had to close it and we you know we, uh, it was a sad thing and we lost a bunch of money and it was heartbreaking and then all and then my wife got breast cancer um you know and so it went one thing to the next to the next and my my grandmother who I was steely fond with uh, she ended up kind of going kind of senile and we had to put her in the home and and, and you know there's all these things at the same time and they produced a, a meltdown really. <laughs> Yes. Um. In, in you know, yes. is, you know, it's a, it's, and I'd laugh now, but it was it was a terrible situation and and a very dark time. Um, and for some reason, I managed to turn it around. Um, not by <laughs> by me, I think, but by grace of God or, or whatever. You know, like yeah. something was you know happened that that it was turned for the good. You know, um, I could have gone and cried about it. You know, and all these things and wallowed in it, and maybe I did that for a while. And in the end, then I thought, well what am I going to do with this? Because something in me remembered why I started yoga in the first place, which Mm. is to do with, not to do with what I could do in the asanas, that kind of rabbit hole came later. It was to do with inquiry again and to do with connecting to something in myself and to do with the the question of the other, really. Like, what is this other person in the world, right? Like, you know, like, I remember I used to, Go see. Have you heard of Ramana Maharishi? Uh, sorry, not Ramana. You obviously heard of him. Um, Ramesh Balsakar. Have you heard of him? I have not. No, he was an Advaita guy from Mumbai, like an Advaita guru. Um, he has died a few years ago, right? Um, he used to do satsangs in his uh, in his flat, and uh, we went to see him. At, at, and I remember him saying, "You know, the problem isn't me. I'm happy when I'm in my home, having my coffee on my own, watching the birds. But when I step out of my door, the problem is other people." <laughs> <laughs> 
right? Like, that's when I start to get irritated, and that's the problem, right? So how do you deal with other people? This is the f- way you'd phrase it, you know? And that really stuck with me. That's the truth, right? Like, you know, we always think the problem isn't us, but when we come into contact with other people, then the mess starts to happen, you know? Like, we start to doubt ourselves, and we start to get frustrated with the other, you know? So it's like, well, that was the question as well. It's like, well, what is this practice yes. and teaching Yes, in relation to the question of the other? Well, how do they relate to my life, you know? And what is it that I've got to do? What is the meaning of my life in relation to them? You know, is it yes. just, a, you know, you know, is it just it? Is this, I mean, you know, on the most basic level, is this it? You know, we like just teach this yoga and like, you know, like they pay me and, you know, like, right. Like, you know, like, it, you know, like what, what is, what is my interest in them? You know, like, what am I doing? You know, what do I, what do I want for them? You know, yes. how would I like to contextualize this? So it's really meaningful for them. Right. So they, you know, they, they just, get to put their leg behind their head for a few years like me and then have to let it go because <laughs> they got old they got old or they got injured or whatever. Okay, you know, sooner or later, you know, it's like, you know, it doesn't go on forever, right? So what it's like the yoga philosophy, right? Like Krishna's not saying like, you know, like, oh, you do this now and it'll be good for a few years, Arjuna. You know, like you'll get <laughs> famous, you know, you kill all those people in battle. You know, he's asking for a serious solution, a permanent solution. What is the permanent solution? Oh man, so, great. That I, I hear you, yeah. Adam. I, I love I love everything you're saying. This is epic. Oh, I I was I was driving home yesterday and listening to a Neil Young song and he had a line that said, uh, the same thing that can keep you alive can kill you in the end. And yeah. so as I was driving, I was exactly. like, Well, wait a minute, but yoga can yoga kill me? And I was like, <laughs> Well, <laughs> I feel like it keeps me alive. Like, I feel like I put certain Mm. amount of emphasis on it that this is going to, this is like the everything. And I associated that Mm. with the leg behind the head, the catching the heels, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it started to feel like it's killing me, you know, like, (laughs) so it's interesting. um, I don't think yoga is going to kill me in the end. I think it's going to keep, yeah feeding yeah, me no, I know and keeping me alive yeah, but yeah 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 clearly well, clearly you've traversed that, that as yeah. well sorry go yeah, ahead that, is that i started um because of um this situation with Therese and my wife <clears throat> and the general medicine and um i started uh trying to research other things you know like what's this you know like and that led me down the rabbit hole of uh, homeopathy. So I, I trained, you know, and people are going to hate this. Oh, he's talking about all this stuff. And now he's telling me he's a homeopath. I have a mixed, uh, you know, I, you know I, I have some, I have time for it now, having trained in it, you know, like I don't believe all of it, you know, I have doubts with it as well, but you know, there's some stuff to be said about it. And, and one thing they often say is that it's all about the dose, the degree of the dose, like what's the, and they have this thing where they say the poison is the medicine and the medicine is the poison. You know? Like, so it's all about the dose and the same with Ashtanga for a while, that dose needed to be a certain level. Right. You know, and that kept me, that pulled me from what I consider reasonable mental health challenges in my early twenties, you know, like I was, uh, you know, I felt like I was losing my mind, you know? And so, you know, like for the sake of everyone and for the sake of myself, you know, really it kept me sane and it kept me from drinking myself into oblivion, which was what was happening. Otherwise self-medicating with, uh, with alcohol and with a uh, medication, you know? Um, and so it was wonderful and uh, forever grateful, but that point, that point, that medicine, which was, you know, was so valuable that I felt almost felt it was a duty to dedicate my life to sharing it, you know, because it saved my life probably literally, you know, like, you know, um, you see I, how unhinged I am now. Well, you imagine how I, unhinged you are, you know, I, I was with 10 pints of Guinness and, you know, and, and all, yeah. all this medication, right. Yeah, you know, I was fully unhinged. So, uh, but at that point, you know, like it, it protected me too much, right. From other people. And it became like a comfort blanket. You just do your practice and then you don't have to do anything else in the world. And you can just go back and, you know, uh, you know, spend all day just like looking after yourself and then go off and teach them, you know, it became the, the poison, you know, and also the poison, because at a certain point, like Chuck Miller, I remember saying to me when I was in my heyday, actually, that at a certain point, you've got to let this go. And if you don't contextualize it to, to something deeper and broader than just asana, it's going to be really, really painful for you, you know, and it was, yeah. you know, and it yeah. was, and you see people yeah. now, I mean, sorry, I'll let you 
going now. But, you know, just like you've talked to me about how painful it is to when you've been attached to doing all those things. And I see people come to my classes and there's such pain, but just such attachment to still kick the leg behind the head anyway or still catching. And we see this in mice all the time. You know, people, it's hideous back trouble, still feel like, because if they don't catch, then they've not done their duty. Or it, I don't know. It's it's a weird loop of mindset to get into, and one that I can't fully articulate. But I've been there, you know. Yeah. Um, do you? And, yeah. Do you sorry. think that's okay? Do you think we can still call Ashtanga yoga and remove that? If you're not, if you're not doing those things, if, yeah, yeah, and, re- and remove. Of course yeah. you can. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you can. No, I. I there's no discrepancy or or. or uh, contradiction in my mind you know if someone's young and they're able and they want to go to Mysore I'm not going to go oh don't don't do leg behind the head you know like oh it might hurt you yeah, you know like, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to go yeah like, totally like get into it like I did I you know I put hands standing between every posture you know like you know like and and I encourage people who want to be dynamic to be dynamic you know as long as it's not as long as they don't feel that they're hurting themselves right yeah but on the other hand I mean like once it comes a point when it's you know one's getting older or one's injured or, or or one's simply not in doesn't want to be in the shape that you need to be in to, to be so up there with practice you know because it takes a certain level of conditioning right like you know yes um then you then you treat you treat it accordingly there's a method behind the asanas and like this finger pointing to the moon or like i say about the poison the medicine there's a method behind the asanas it's grasping the method which i call the inner stretch you know which is the the generally the, the pulling towards oneself the, the the use of the shape to get the diaphragmatic breathing right to understand the use of the diaphragm which i suggest is what the bundle is looking for is really the engagement of a full body experience related to diaphragmatic breath and the holding of the body in a certain postural shape. So you're not like Bunda for Bunda's sake. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. Like, you know, like Bunda has a reason. It's not, it can't be the cause and the effect, you know, that, you know, like the Bunda is the cause and it affects, and its effect for me is diaphragmatic breath, you know? Um, so this is the method. This is the deeper teaching. And whether you point a toe here or can put your leg behind your head or catch your ankles, it's irrelevant, you know. And and for most people, uh, leg behind the head and catching ankles is inappropriate, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not to say that it's not, it's a, then it's inappropriate for everyone. Of course not. But we've got to realize that when Patabi Joyce was teaching this method originally, he was teaching it to very young people, you know. Mm. And then when the kids, you know, when the kid, I say the kids arrived to Mysore originally, you know, like the Swensons and then David Williams and stuff, super young. And I was young doing it, you know, I mean, like, um, you know, because we deny age now, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, like, we're not old, right? You know, like, we don't get old, like, look at me at mine, I'm 50 and I'm still doing, it's like, it's great if that's the case. You know, like some people are, uh, uh, you know, Derby was the same, you know, like an anathema, like a, a freak of nature. But for <laughs> most of us, right, as we get older, like shit happens and the body does age and just being yes. honest and realistic and going, well, I still yeah. love to do this practice, yeah. Yeah. but you know, if I keep putting my leg behind my head, I'm going to end up in a wheelchair. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like, yes. You know, and, right. I mean, it's just being like sensible like that, you know, and still nothing has changed. Nothing has changed with the yoga. It's only gone deeper for me yeah. actually having taken yes. out the, yes. the emphasis on the, yeah. having taken the emphasis out on the, on, on the, the let's say the peak of the iceberg yeah now you can kind of go down and look at the iceberg below yeah. because yeah. you're not focusing anymore on, yeah. on like oh just the shiny summit which is yes. distracting because it's all shiny yes. and oh you know it <laughs> look, looks nice but now you can look at you know like what's below it because no longer distracted by that little shiny peak oh yes yeah. adam man yeah. i want to be respectful of your time and <laughs> I hope for you that's listening, you have to go check out Adam, your podcast, you have YouTube channel, definitely follow Adam on Instagram. Um, Is there anything, Adam, I I know it's, you know, to, to, to bring it into a close here, is there anything, I think we covered some great subjects and I just want to, I think we said a few things, didn't we? yeah, Yeah. I do. I, I just think, and I really, I had a great time. This is really fun for me. I was, I'm so excited. Yeah. I was, I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks now. So, oh, um, so I, I keep, keep I mean, doing what you're doing you. because I, I, I benefit a lot from reading your posts. I apologize if I don't get a chance to comment and every time, but I really do read oh, every man, one no, of them from, from yeah, top to bottom yeah. and you do an amazing job. Yeah. So, uh, 
Well, and I think, it, you know, I, that, that conversation yeah. can continue there. Um, mm. But I, I'm, do you have anything that you'd like to finish with or close with? Oh, I think I've said a lot, but I just want to say, if anyone's sick of me, I'm really sorry. I mean, I know I'm out there a lot, you know, and it's, you know, I have a big mouth. I mean, you know, it's just for the sake of, of this kind of being my bonnet I've got about, about, you know, like using yoga, you know, in the deepest sense we can for, for all of us, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I also want to say, you know, on the other side, for people like you that have got anything out of it, you know, and say that to me, I mean, it just means so much to me and I'm so deeply touched, you know, I really am, you know? And yeah, I really am. You know, I can't say enough how much it makes my life worthwhile, you know, basically. Um, and, uh, nice. you know, and uh, that means a lot to me. Um, so, yeah, thanks for having me on. And I'm sorry if I talk too much. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate it. If, if anything I say is, is meaningful or relevant to anyone else, because I think all we've got, you know, all we know for sure that we've got in this life, you know, is to share ourselves with each other, you know, and whatever that means, you know. And nice. keep trying to expand out outwards, you know, yes. and expand outwards in, in care and to each other and an interest, in interest, you know. And and so I hope I'm in any small way encouraging that. And if I am, then I'm I'm so grateful to be in the position to be able to do that. Yeah. Thank you, Adam. Well, you're an inspiration to me, man. I really appreciate it. It's free. Thank you. <laughs> until uh, until next time. <laughs> yeah, I hope there's next time. <laughs> Thanks. Native Yoga Toddcast is produced by myself. The theme music is dreamed up by Bryce Allen. If you like this show, let me know. If there's room for improvement, I want to hear that too. We are curious to know what you think and what you want more of, what I can improve. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, please send us your thoughts to info at Native Yoga Center. You can find us at nativeyogacenter.com. And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate it and review, and join us next time. Mm-hmm.